great to know that Jesus is at the center of all things. And as we have looked at the implications of Easter, as we've looked at the fact that he is our living hope in this series, as we wrap it up today, we've actually uh, defined the word implication uh, as a possible future effect or result. And as we look through the scriptures, as we've been looking through the scriptures, we see the implications and how that applies to each and every one of us. That we find that the resurrection, it gives us hope, for eternal life as believers. Yes, absolutely it does, but it gives us victory over sin and it gives us uh, that commissioning as the church because this is really the main event. The resurrection is the main event that commissions us and challenges us and pushes us to share the good news, to share the gospel with the world because there is no better news than the fact that Jesus is alive and that he made that sacrifice for each and every one of us and that he conquered death for you and for me and for the world. And simply put, without the resurrection, none of this matters. None of this matters, but really nothing matters. Uh, nothing else outside in this life really matters, not just for today, but period. And because we know he is alive, we can say that he is our living hope. You know, a lot of stories and movies that, uh, that we like and that we watch and that end up being popular have to do um, with people being on a mission. And you know, maybe it's about a soldier going behind enemy lines just to save that one. Uh, maybe, it's, uh, maybe it's a superhero movie or a spy movie or something along those lines where somebody's on a quest to, uh, you know, to do whatever that particular thing is that they're doing. We like those kinds of movies. Those are, those are cool stories. But, and, and the reason that we like those is because there's a, there's a part about that that there's a bigger purpose than just that individual. That they're, that they're on a mission for something that's bigger than themselves. And for us as believers, that's each and every one of us because we are on a mission. We have a mission that is bigger than ourselves. And maybe when we think of the word mission in the context of church and in the context of, of us as, as Christians, we, we think about missionaries. And absolutely, we, we should and, and do in the context of a missionary going overseas to preach and all of that stuff. But, but let's be honest right now because that is true, but all believers are on a mission. All believers are on a mission. If you're a believer in Jesus, you are on a mission. You have a mission. Whether you have leaned into that or not is, is a question between you and the Lord. But make no mistake, you're on a mission. It's an implication of the resurrection. Christ has challenged all of us as followers with the greatest mission ever, which is to bring the gospel to the entire world. And today, I hope that you're inspired by that idea because the mission of the church, the resurrection of Jesus, the kingdom of God, all of the things that we've talked about, they, they really flow together. They're part of one whole story. They're really sequels in, in the saga, if you will. They're not segregated, they flow together, all one another, and, and they build into each other, pushing toward this idea that we're gonna look at today, which is the commissioning of each and every one of us to go into the world, because the mission is to spread the gospel, but it's also associated with preaching the kingdom of God. And as you look in the Bible, as, we, as we've looked in the scriptures, if you look at Genesis chapter 1 through 11, there's, there's really this idea that the whole world is the target of the gospel in, 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 that, 
in those chapters there. But as we go further into the Old Testament, as you get into the Old Testament, with very few exceptions, the nations of the world actually had to come to Israel to learn about God. There really wasn't this going out to spread the gospel. There was this, if I want to know about God, I need to come to Israel. I need to come, come to them. But because of Jesus, he really flipped the script. That's really the grand reversal there is Jesus because Jesus' disciples, he said to go and disciple and go to all nations. And in uh, Matthew 28, as, as we know, is the, uh, the Great Commission, as he's commissioning his church to engage all people everywhere with the gospel, that no one is excluded, that everyone is included in who, should be, uh, who the gospel should be shared with. And so the resurrection of Jesus really becomes the catalyst for the mission of the church to reflect the kingdom of God and the values thereof and to spread the gospel. So question for you, have you ever done something or done anything that's, that's bold and outrageous because of your faith? A bold something that you've done because of your faith. If, if I said this, this statement, be bold or don't be a Christian at all, would you agree with that? And just think that to yourself. You can, you can sit there and say whether you think that or not, but as I mentioned, I believe it was last week, belief requires action. So we can say that, but honestly, the Bible's really clear. Be bold or don't bother. Be bold or don't bother. I had one of our preschool teachers actually tell me that uh, they were, that uh, after the first hour, uh, that they were talking to, uh, to the preschoolers uh, a week or so ago about being bold. And they asked the kids, what does it mean to be bold? And one of the little girls raised their hand and said, it means to have no hair. <laughs> That's not, I thought that was awesome. Um, so I had to share that. But that's not what we're talking about, clearly. Um, if that's what you think we're talking about, you can't read. Um, and she's in preschool, so she's getting there, right? Um, but the past few Sundays, we've talked about the hope that the resurrection should give us. And, and today, I want to talk about the boldness that we should follow because of the living hope of Jesus. And after the resurrection, the disciples were bold. They were incredibly bold. Be bold or don't bother, that's exactly how they were. And so how we define the word bold, though, as not no hair, but how we define that amongst ourselves and, and individually, that's an interesting question, isn't it? And so we're going to look at that here in a minute and see what the Bible says about being bold. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 3 or you can follow along in the Bible app. We're going to be in Acts chapter 3 and a little bit in chapter 4. Uh, and I want to look at, this, at a story involving the disciples, but really too, Peter and John. Um, and they were known as followers of Jesus wherever they went. Literally everywhere they went, they were known as followers of Jesus. And so a, a side challenge for each of us, are you known as a follower of Jesus everywhere you go? That's something to think about. But they were known as a follower of Jesus everywhere they went. They were empowered, they were emboldened with the truth of the resurrection and the implications that it had for them and for the rest of humanity. And their faith was taken to the next level. At this moment, after the resurrection, after the day of Pentecost, and, and they were commissioned and, and told to go out and share the gospel, their faith was taken to the next level. Their confidence was off the charts because of the resurrection. 
And that gave them, in many ways, personal ownership of the mission because of what they had seen, because of what they had heard. They had ownership, in many ways, of the mission. And you and I should as well. We should take ownership into the mission because it affected them also. So in Acts chapter 3, we're going to start right at the very beginning of the chapter. In verse 1 here, it says this. One day, Peter and John, they were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him, as, he, uh, as did John, and then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention and expecting to get something from them, then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. So a whole lot of people show up and, and start coming in and flocking and coming together because of what had happened here. But let me ask you this. Why did Peter have this kind of bold confidence in this moment? I want you to notice something that he said to this man that was begging, this lame beggar. He said, what I do have, I give you. What I do have, I give you. Silver or gold I don't have, but what I do have, I give you. He gave the lame man power in the name of Jesus, but don't, don't miss this. You can't give what you don't have. You can't give what you don't have. He couldn't give it unless he had it in his own life. See, when Peter and John gave him no money, we might have expected to hear the lame man complain. Oh, you don't care about me. You don't care about me. You're not, you're not supporting me. Look at, the, look at the mess that I'm in. Why, why don't you care about me? See, instead, Peter and John wanted to give him something greater than just a couple of bucks. More than just supporting the man in his condition that he was in, he wanted to transform his life by the power of the risen Savior. See, our mission, now you got to follow me on this, our mission isn't just to provide goods and services for people to make the condition of someone's life better or more bearable. That's not the mission of the church, is to just supply goods and services. Now, if we can, will we, and should we, if we have the opportunity? Sure. Yeah. That's, that's part of loving people. And so, yeah, that's, that's why we have the community missions team as the church. That's why many of the values of our church that are on our wall actually reflect these ideas here for sure. Our decisions reflect our values. And I think the church as a whole should be known for being the most generous, for being the most caring for people's needs, to be irrationally bold with generosity when it makes sense, and also being generous and giving almost to the point that it doesn't make sense. We should be irrationally generous as the church, absolutely. But 
That's not the mission. That's not the mission. And too many times people get that confused, that they look at the church and think that's all, all we're for is for handouts. That's not the mission of the church. That is a means to the mission. Taking care of somebody and loving somebody sometimes means saying no, but also sometimes means saying yes, because it's a means to the mission. It's the why behind the, gener the generosity that matters. And what's the why? The mission is to share the redemptive power of God through Jesus to share the good news. That is what Peter did when the opportunity presented itself. Because notice, he's given an opportunity here, right? It says, the place became filled with people. In Solomon's colonnade, a whole bunch of people came to run and see this lame beggar who was now up and jumping around like Dan when, when he was up here leading worship, right? Which was awesome. Because that's Dan, and, and I love it. And so all these people are coming to see what is going on here, right? So here we go. Verse 12. It says, when Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant, Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. So here's a question. Do you have a bold faith? Do you have a bold faith? Do you want to have a real bold faith? Do you even know, if you, if you think about that phrase, what does that look like? What does a real bold faith look like? We've seen it in what we just read. But what can we learn from Peter and John here? What can we learn about, about what a real bold faith looks like? The implications of the resurrection empowered them to act. Think about that. Because of what they saw, because of what they experienced, the implications of the resurrection are what empowered them. And so in what ways? Well, I have four. There are more, but I've got four. And here's the first. Is it acts spontaneously. A bold faith acts spontaneously. What do I mean by that? Well, real faith is often spontaneous. Um, it seizes the moment. Maybe there's an opportunity that, that you're seeing, and if you're not ready to act spontaneously, if you're not even thinking about it, then they may pass you right by all the time, but it acts spontaneously. Maybe, maybe it's, it's a gift that needs to be given. Uh, maybe it meets a need. It encourages somebody, takes a chance on somebody, expecting God to work. That's the key. Are we expecting God to work in the situations and circumstances that we're in because we know that we are empowered and emboldened by the Holy Spirit in every situation and circumstance that we walk into? See, it acts spontaneously. Bold faith like this, might, it might result in an obvious miracle. You might see, might see a miracle happen because of your spontaneous action and God working through you. 
Or it might just be a really subtle ministry that nobody ever sees. Just a real subtle opportunity that you have there that plants a seed that God ends up doing something incredible with later on. Either way, God uses it. It acts spontaneously. It also speaks. It speaks outrageously. It speaks outrageously. Now, what do we mean by that? When I say it speaks outrageously, we need to define our terms here. The Sadducees, they were the dominant ruling party in Jerusalem at the time, religiously especially. And their most outstanding theological trait was that they did not believe in the afterlife. They didn't believe in, the res- in resurrection. And so just weeks before, these people crucified Jesus. And so what does Peter do? What does Peter do right there when he's got the opportunity? Right in the middle of the temple, he starts preaching that Jesus has resurrected from the dead and that it's that resurrection power that that gave them the power to heal that man. And so he just kind of like went right for it. Religious trouble all wrapped up right there. But these were men of faith. These were men of faith. And so do you pipe down or do you pipe up about your faith? When the times come, when the opportunities are there, does your belief in Jesus flow out of your mouth? Even at the times when your words might outrage the culture or the people that are around you, do you speak out and speak up, but do you do it in love? Do you do it in love? Because the, the, that's, that's really the key there is, is to speak the truth in love. Peter and John, they did that. They spoke out. They spoke out at the prime opportunities, but it had a huge impact on the area. But they spoke the truth in love, and that's an important part here. What I'm not saying is that you should go start a fight on Facebook or Instagram or something along those lines, or rail somebody on Twitter or whatever that means, or, um, you know, all of that kind of stuff. To get suspended from school because you're speaking up on on a particular topic or issue and you're you're way out of place. That's not what I'm talking about. And that's not what Jesus is talking about when, when we're talking about speaking outrageously. If there's no other choice, if there's no other choice, that's that's one thing. If you're being asked to compromise the morals that God is incredibly clear on, because God's incredibly clear on, on morals in his word, then that might look a little bit different. But it might be being outrageous by showing love to somebody and kindness to someone that everyone else ignores. It might mean speaking encouraging and life-giving words into somebody that nobody else does. That could be a way that you're speaking outrageously to somebody. It might mean to speak up for those who can't speak for themselves. It might mean to pray with somebody in public because maybe somebody does know that you're a Christian when you walk into the room. Hopefully they do. And maybe there's some hurting going on in their life and they're like, will you pray for me? And instead of going, yeah, yeah, sure. Maybe you just say, let's pray right now. That would be an outrageous way of speaking in the culture in which we're in today. There are all kinds of ways that we can have influence and to leverage that influence for the kingdom. Because if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're, you're a leader. Whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not, you have influence when you walk into a room and when you're involved in any kind of things. And so how are we leveraging our influence for the kingdom? Because our words matter. 
We spent a month talking about that last year. And so we say what needs to be said, sure, but let's be wise in the ways in which that we say them. Let's speak them in love so that God's truth can do what it does. But the way in which you may be perceived because of you speaking the truth may seem outrageous to some people. It may seem outrageous to some people. So we act spontaneously and we speak outrageously in Jesus' name. And when that happens, it can be contagious. It can be contagious because a bold faith infects contagiously. You can see that happen. A bold faith infects contagiously. We began the year praying for God to do some awesome things here at Connect Church. And he certainly has. We, we prayed for God to do some bold things. And we prayed that God would fill the house on Easter. That was one of the things we prayed for. And you know what happened? We saw the biggest service, the biggest Sunday in the history of Connect Church. In the history of Connect Church. But you know what's even, even greater than that? Is that we saw some decisions made for Jesus that day. And we're continuing to see that. We're continuing to see the family of faith being added to. Why? Because we're being bold. And because the word of God and the culture of the kingdom community of God, it's infectious. It's contagious. It's contagious when, it's, when, when, we're, when we're leaning into community and loving people in outrageous ways and we're being bold and, and it can be infectious. In Acts 4.4, it says that Peter's message contagiously infected about 2,000 people that day. This story that we're reading right now. There were 3,000 who believed on the day of Pentecost. We talked about that a few weeks ago. 3,000 that believed that day when the Holy Spirit came upon them and, and Peter spoke and it said uh, about 3,000 came to the family of faith that day. And so now, here we are two chapters later and 2,000 people because of what happened here joined the family of faith that day. So we're talking 5,000 people. Our words and our works can have the same kind of effect. We've seen it. The numbers may not be the same, obviously, but you know what? The apostles, they had an authority from God and, and Peter's audience there was ripe for the picking. But the results are gonna be the same because people will come to Christ and he will build his church. He will build his church. We, we didn't see the, the numbers that we saw on Easter because of anything you did or I did. It was, the, it was the power of God. It was the Holy Spirit of God that moved. And now it's also for us to take advantage of that and to push forward with the mission that God has given us. To not just rest on our laurels, but to keep moving forward. And that's the fourth thing that we see here is that it continues courageously. A bold faith continues courageously. It keeps pushing forward. See, the threats of the Sanhedrin, they, they seem silly in comparison to the faith of the apostles here in this moment. Think of all the things that they saw. And you look at the boldness that they had and the way that they were empowered. And the Sanhedrin look at them and say, you guys won't say another word about Jesus if you know what's good for you. And they were like, okay. Sure. Got it. Yeah, I bet we're really scared. What are you going to do? Kill us? You know, 
There was nothing standing in their way that changed lives, honestly, and the empowerment of the disciples is a really huge proof, by the way, of the resurrection and the truth of it. Because would you give your life for something that was a lie? I don't think so, especially not in the way that these guys did. But you know what? Peter and John, they blew them off without a second thought. They were like, yeah, okay, whatever. Um, and not another word? You've you got to be kidding me because this is all we have are words. All we have are words about Jesus and we can't help speaking about what we've seen and can't help speaking about what we've heard. I wonder if you and I feel the same way. Do we feel the same way that we just can't help but speak about the good news of Jesus in our life because it's so real to us? And we're so emboldened by that. They were arrested and put on trial, check this, for healing a lame beggar. They were arrested and put on trial for that, for healing someone. But the authorities didn't know what else to do with them. And this is what cracks me up. Look at, look at these verses in, uh, in Acts 4, 21 through 22. So they're, they're put on trial. There's this council here. It says, then the council then threatened them further. But they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. For everyone was praising God for this miraculous sign, the healing of a man who had been lame for more than 40 years. They were like, I don't, we don't like this, but okay, I guess we got to let them go. They didn't know what else to do because they were going to lose the crowds. We're going we're gonna to riot in many ways. They were afraid of that. Real people of bold faith, the kind that spawns salvation parties and persecution riots. It just keeps going. It just keeps going. See, the more that the heat gets turned up, the hotter their passion for Jesus grew. And I wonder if that is the same for you and me. See, at some point, you're going to be a graduate of PU, Persecution University. If you're a follower of Jesus, you will be an alumni. And so I wonder, will you pipe down? Or as the heat gets turned up on you, will your passion be turned up even more? Because this is who we are called to be. And here's the, here's the challenging part for, for all of us right now. Because this is who we're called to be. There's no room for an apathetic faith. I want you to lock in here with me for a minute. There is no room for an apathetic faith. There is no room for a whatever faith. For an uninterested, meh, I'll just come to church on Sundays and that's, and that's whatever. I got my fire insurance. I know I'm good to go. There's no room for that kind of faith. And that's the difficult thing to, to look at here and to be honest with ourselves about because we are called to move from being passive spectators to active participants. That's who we are called to be as the church. In fact, Jesus gave us his thoughts on that. And this is challenging to read and difficult to hear. But I think it's important for us to remind ourselves of this more often in a world that is filled with apathy. And in a church, quite frankly, of, of America and, and, you know, Western, the church, the big C church. This is, this is in Revelation chapter 3 that's talking to the church of Laodicea that is the lukewarm church. And here's what he says. This is the words of Jesus. I know all the things that you do. That you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other, but since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. 
That's rough. That's truth. See, this is why I say be bold or don't bother. That's not really my idea. That's, that's Jesus. That's basically what Jesus is saying here. Be bold or don't bother because if we don't have the kind of bold faith that forces us to share the living hope of Jesus with the world and those around us, it says clearly, you can translate this just as well as I can. It makes God sick. You want to get a little more blunt? It makes God want to puke. I will spit you out of my mouth. Being lukewarm makes God sick. And that's a challenge for each and every one of us every single day because everybody, including myself, we go through seasons and times of being lukewarm. And I think sometimes we need this reminder so that we can continue to push forward with the, with the mission. We can continue to move forward courageously because the living hope of Jesus, it should be boldly shared through the spirit of love and compassion and unity and humility. So the connection point for all of us for the day and for the series is this, is that Jesus is the living hope for our world. Don't keep him to yourself. Don't keep him to yourself. Real, bold faith. It's, it's spontaneous, it's outrageous, it's contagious, and it's courageous. And the implications of the resurrection, it gives us hope, even in our doubts. Even in our doubts, a living hope for the future and freedom from sin. And those implications should empower us and encourage us to have a boldness, to have a boldness to share the truth and to share the power of God's, of God's truth. The implications of that resurrection power should empower each and every one of us and should give you a boldness and should start a riot, if you will, inside. A love riot, a faith riot of humility and respect, but also firm, built on the resurrection power of Jesus and the truth, the truth of God's word. Will you bow your heads with me? As we're challenged by the truth of, of the word, and you think about your own self, and you think about your own, your own walk with the Lord, I wonder if the boldness of your faith is something that maybe you need to take another step forward on. Eternity is at stake for those around you. Because you have a mission, and you're on a mission, even if it's just for one. You're part of the mission to reach this world with the good news of Jesus. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, can I be bold and share with you the truth of God's word? That you don't have to be good enough because there's nothing that you can do to make yourself good enough? You just have to believe in the one who was perfect and sacrificed himself to save you. And all that may not make sense right now, but doing it your own way has probably not worked. So I want to encourage you to surrender, repent, fall to your knees, maybe literally, maybe figuratively, at the feet of Jesus and give your life to him. If you want to know more about what that means so that you can know for sure 
that you're going to be with him in heaven one day. I'd love to talk with you and pray with you. I know we've got people in yellow lanyards that would love to talk with you and pray with you about that today. Find them. Come see us at the orange wall. Find somebody in a yellow lanyard and and pray with them. For the rest of us, I pray that you will take that, this challenge seriously. And let's go out and let's be bold. Heavenly Father, we love you. And we thank you that you call us to be bold. You call us to not be lukewarm. Lord, you would rather us be burning hot or ice cold and completely out of the way. Because if we're lukewarm, we're just, people are just tripping over us. The rest of the church that's, that's charging forward, are just, we're just getting in the way. So Lord, I pray that we can be a church that is not lukewarm. That we can be a church that is, that is moving forward, that is, that is white hot for the mission of you. God, we have power through your resurrection, power through your Holy Spirit that's living inside of us. And so I pray that we would take every opportunity that we have, Lord, that you would help us to see those spontaneous moments, that we could speak in love and an outrageous way, maybe into the circumstance that we're at. God, that you would give us uh, the courage to continue to move forward, Lord, because your truth is infectious and contagious and help us to be a part of that. And it's all your power. It's nothing that we do. Father, it's, it's all you through us. And what a privilege we have to be a part of your plan and your vehicle to reach this world. Lord, if there's one here, there's one watching online that, that doesn't know you as Savior, that doesn't have the living hope of Jesus within them, Father, I pray that today they wouldn't turn off the live stream, they wouldn't walk out of these doors without knowing for sure that they're going to be with you in heaven. What an amazing day this can be for them. Jesus, we love you. We praise you in your name. Amen.